Hi there, and welcome to the Organic Stream Talk Show. I'm your host, Aline Murphy, and today we're in Australia speaking with Steve Beeman of the New South Wales EPA and Robert Nicole of Landscape and Agricultural Supply Company, Australian Native Landscapes, to bring you an update on the pretty exciting recent developments in organics recovery in New South Wales that are set to transform the recycling landscape. talk on the organic stream about the importance of policy and government support for making a real impact with our sustainability programs. And the New South Wales government provides a great example of this, with a strong policy direction stemming from the objectives set out in their waste legislation, the EPA and New South Wales government have initiated a host of strategies and programs to reduce waste and keep materials circulating within the economy. In particular, a five-year initiative that invests just over 465 million Australian dollars into increasing recycling and keeping materials out of landfill. The Waste Less, Recycle More initiative has a heavy focus on organics recycling in particular with the Organics Infrastructure Fund. To learn more about this programme and the importance of a comprehensive and cohesive policy for success, we gave a call to Steve Beeman, Director of Waste and Resource Recovery at the New South Wales Environment Protection Authority, the EPA. And with a goal of diverting organics from landfill, this will of course mean an increase in organic supply at organic recycling facilities around the region. So how will this impact the industry? Well, after speaking with Steve, we reached out to Robert Nicole of Australian Native Landscapes, or ANL, to get an insight into the processor's perspective and discuss further the EPA's plan to work with industry to develop new markets. It's a pretty exciting episode, so let's jump right in with Steve Beeman of the EPA. So Steve, there's a lot happening in New South Wales at the moment. Uh, Can you fill us in? Um, the, the New South Wales EPA and the New South Wales government has set ambitious waste targets, um, both in terms of waste avoidance and uh, and greater recycling recovery of material if we do generate it as waste. Uh, we've just released at the end of 2014 a seven-year strategy, the Waste Avoidance and Resource Recovery Strategy for New South Wales, and that has six key focus areas. It's about having programs in place to reduce the amount of waste being generated in the first place, is to increase recycling, both at a household, a commercial and a construction level. Um, It's about increasing the the diversion of waste away from landfill. It's about establishing community recycling centres across New South Wales to make it easy for the community to get rid of problem waste, um, to do that in a safe manner, and then to reduce illegal dumping and to prevent littering. So there's a, a very progressive agenda at the moment in New South Wales and we've been able to have that funded from a waste levy. So for every tonne of waste that's disposed of in the populated areas of New South Wales, there's a government levy that's imposed on that waste disposal. And the purpose of that levy is to make recycling more cost-effective against traditional landfill. And as part of that income stream, um, the government's allocated over five years $465.7 million for us to drive this change. And the change is really around three aspects. And this is right across the waste 
all the different waste streams, but the three aspects are around greater education and community engagement. It's also about delivering new and improved infrastructure across New South Wales. And the last is about having a uh, strong regulatory framework that underpins it. So there's clarity right across the sector and the community, what the government's expectations are around the rules about managing waste and recycled product. Mm-hmm. And there's a great emphasis on organics waste, I know. You're directing $70 million of that to an organics program. So what are the key focuses for you in terms of organics recycling at the moment? Um, it's really around those three aspects. So we have just have run a series of grant rounds where we've got $43 million available of that $70 million for new infrastructure. So these are um, organic processing facilities. They're typically a combination of food and garden organics processing. Typically, it's usually around some form of composting technology. Um, we didn't have the infrastructure in place, so we're, we're pulling this stuff out of the bin, but we needed the processing capacity to be built, and all that's being built at the moment. Um, we needed to give our local authorities, our councils that, um, that provide the services for the community, they needed access to new and improved collection systems and typically that being mobile garbage bins. So we funded 443,000 new garbage bins and kitchen caddies so people can sort their waste out in their kitchen and put it into the right garbage bin. And then we're working with industry and it's an exciting one that we've just released, this $3 million around market development and this is around a concept of now we've pulled this stuff out of the this organic material out of the system and it's now being processed in these facilities. Now we have to ensure that we've got sustainable and resilient end markets for this material to be used, be it in urban urban restoration works. So if the material gets composted, they can go to urban restoration, it can go to mine site rehabilitation, it can go back to farm land and pasture organic improvements. And the thing really about Australian soils is they're very low in organics typically and then farming practices over the last 200 years or so has depleted that organics even further. So there's a great multiple benefits here about us taking this stuff out of landfill. We can process it, put it back onto the land, improve the water holding content of the land and also improve the sort of nutrient uptake in some of those soils that are organic poor. And so we, we see this as a great opportunity. And we're also, from that market development work, also looking at how we can assist industry to improve the quality of the compost. Because it's coming from, typically from the domestic waste stream, it's around educating communities about don't put your batteries, you use batteries into your organics bin um, because it has a consequence. If that battery breaks open, you know, you spread lead through the compost material and it's making that material, renders it useless for use on urban development or agricultural use. So it's a really multifaceted program. That's the thing that's really exciting about this is it's trying to attack the issue on a couple of fronts, education, community engagement and industry development, the infrastructure component and then having the regulations behind it um, that gives the community the confidence that using recycled products the way to go. Very good. And I'd like maybe for you to tell me a little bit more about the importance of this strong policy framework that you have that underpins everything and how it's contributed to the success of the programme. I think the the thing about Wasteless Recycle More is that success is really going to be attributable for a couple of reasons. But one is having a really strong policy certainty and clarity around it. And that's why I started with the Waste Avoidance and Resource Recovery Strategy. The government has set this long-term strategy. It's adopted the targets to increase recycling, to reduce illegal dumping and to prevent littering. 
And so that really gives an instruction um, that we need to go and deliver these. These are government priorities. And those priorities really stem from community expectations. The community wants to see these services being offered and want to see these improvements. But the fact that we actually have been able to align a very strong policy commitment and directive from government and have that underpinned by a very strong funding program to underpin it, that really gives us the recipe, I suppose, and it's been successful to date, that we're able to deliver this program. And I think it changes the confidence in the community. The community can see and engage with the EPA and the government on waste and recycling now and us being able to provide that information out to the community. And we have an excellent website called Love Food Hate Waste, which is around waste avoidance. But it also has changed really the approach by the waste sector generally, where it's moving away from the traditional waste collection, waste disposal, to they're, they're now thinking they need to be part of a more circular economy, they need to be part of um, a recycling and resource recovery agenda. And so it's really, we see this as an opportunity where we've really changed the agenda for New South Wales. It's very exciting. Um, but let's talk a bit more about the market development side of things for a moment, because developing compost markets, for example, is quite a big task. Can you tell me a little bit more about your plans here and if you're anticipating any challenges? Look, the market, I think the markets for compost, we're really pulling a lot of material out of the system. And so we need to be careful. And that's why we are investing in a market development program in that we get that balance right. We don't disturb the system too much by pushing too much material through the system by you know, increasing the supply and having that affect prices. So we need to think carefully and we're working in partnership with industry around, and this is the idea of this $3 million of grant funding, is to how can we help industry and local governments stimulate the markets so we actually are resilient for the longer term. So when the more material comes through that we've actually generated the demand at the end user level, the farmer or the urban restoration or the mine site rehabilitation, that they are more confident in using recycled organics into their soils and back into their agricultural systems so we can get that to mature as fast as we can, that that market to mature, um, so it becomes a self-sustaining system. And it's great that it, there's so much investment going into it because it is very important, like you say. Um, also that you work so close with industry as well. And we'll be talking to Robert Nicole of ANL later about this as well. But moving out again, are there any more pressing challenges that you're facing at the moment in terms of organics recycling or any problem areas you're focusing on? Um, the, the single main challenge for us is about contamination. This is around trying to educate um, the community and industry and having, and this is why it's a very interesting program, is people have things in their household that they might know what to, how to get rid of, oil, paint, gas bottles, batteries, smoke detectors, uh, light loads. And so we find if they're unsure, they often inadvertently do the wrong thing and put it into the wrong bin. And that's why part of a, a, another program of Wasteless Recycle More is the community recycling centres. So there's another $70 million to build these drop-off centres where you can drop off. The aim is to have 86 of these recycling centres across New South Wales where you can drop off paint, oil, gas bottles, smoke detectors and all those problem things that you've got in the household. You can drop it off at a facility for free. And so if we can make it easy to further the community to get rid of, to easily dispose of these problem materials, and also educate the community why it's important that they don't drop these materials in these problem waste streams into their organics bin, 
then that's going to keep improving the product quality of our organics and our compost. So really, it's a it's it's a real issue for us, and we're starting to do some exciting work about rolling out a statewide education campaign. We're in that sort of planning phase to help improve the knowledge and behaviour of householders, and that's what we're starting to work on next. That's also very exciting. Um, it's a great idea, first of all, and it's really good that you're focusing on education as well. Um, and this all comes from the funding from the waste levy. So do you consider this waste levy to be the most important or the crucial part of the programme's success? I describe the sort of waste and resource recovery framework as a bit of an ecosystem. I don't think there's one part that actually dominates over the other. I think it's getting all the parts to work in concert with each other. So it's having a very strong direction from government to do the right thing. You know, the government has said we want to achieve these ambitious targets and that sends a very strong message. Um, it's having a financial and economic tool there in the waste levy that we're actually setting a price signal for our landfills, that we don't want landfills to be the predominant processing or treatment or disposal option. We want people to think a bit more broadly. It's about having education. It's about having that sort of engagement with industry and community that people are aware. We know the knowledge, attitudes and behaviours and, and how we can influence those. None of this works if you don't have infrastructure. And then um, all this falls apart if you don't have a regulatory regime that sets very clear standards um, and have offence provisions that say if you're not going to meet these standards, then there are some, some serious consequences. And uh, I think for mine, it's not just the levy being important, it is an important aspect, but it's getting all aspects of that to work well. And if you get that all operating at the same time in a very clear and consistent manner, I think that's where we're going to get the best outcome. Well said. And um, it'll be very exciting to see how it all works. I'm sure you're very busy focusing on this right now. But as a final question, um, I'd love to know, what's next for the EPA in New South Wales? Uh, the really big thing for us next is, well, there are two things that are really exciting for us. The infrastructure plan, so looking forward to sort of future population growth and hopefully less waste generation, but looking at where we should um, have the next generation of infrastructure, where should it be installed, other areas around the state where we're sure infrastructure needs, how can we stimulate that investment from either that local community or industry in that new in infrastructure in a particular area. Um, so it's about making sure we've got the infrastructure in the right locations. And the second really exciting bit we're working on, and we've just released it for consultation and the consultation's just finished, is a new statewide education strategy called Changing Behaviour Together. And it's, this is really around um, building a platform for a conversation with the community at all levels, with local government and with industry and with residents around what are their needs around their knowledge, attitude and behaviours around waste and recycling and how can we help standardise that and run statewide programs to do that behaviour change that really needs to underpin any future investment in infrastructure. Okay, so there's a real focus on education and outreach there. Yes, absolutely. I think that's. Um, I think really you can have very, these very complex systems of multiple bins and recycling plants but it, it takes an engaged community to make these systems work to their optimum. If people aren't using these systems correctly or they don't understand why it's important to separate properly, these systems do tend to struggle and that's where you get this issue of contamination really raising its head. So I think you really get good bang for your buck from your investment in infrastructure if you have it underpinned by a strong um, education program. Great stuff. And we'll be following the programme or the progress very closely. And best of luck now in the next few years. Excellent. Thank you. All right, Steve. All the best. You too. Thank you.
And that was Steve Beeman of the EPA giving us an insight into New South Wales organic recycling plans. Steve mentioned the need to be very careful in increasing the supply of organics to not upset the balance in the markets. And this brings up a few questions. What are the challenges that industry anticipates with this increase? And how big of a task will it be to develop new markets for organic products, compost in particular? We put these questions to Robert Nicole of ANL, and this is what he told us. Hi Rob, and thanks for coming on the show. Uh, just before we begin, can you give us a short introduction to Australian native landscapes and what you do? Well, we began life as a landscape construction company about 45 years ago. That sort of grew into um, looking for materials to use in landscape supplies. Pat Saws, who owns the company, he started going over the mountains and getting truckloads of bark, coming back into Sydney and selling that as you know mulch and what have you. We then got into composting, green waste and biosolids and wood-based, all the urban sort of waste streams that are around nowadays. We currently compost or process around about 500,000 tonnes of assorted organic streams at the moment. Very strong landscape supplies and, and sort of agricultural compost supplies company at the moment. So you name it, we're into it in terms of we have a very strong consumer market of packaged products, supply chain, bulk materials supply, landscape construction, that sort of thing. Right. And so as a processor on the ground, the government's plan will have an impact on your business and indeed the industry as a whole. So what will this impact be? And are there any concerns the industry has about this increase in supply of organics, for example? Uh, the government, to their credit, is spending a quite extraordinary amount of money in industry support and uh, in terms of processing and market development in a whole range of areas. It's the best part of half a billion dollars. It's a huge amount of money. We, we will never see the like of that again. I think there are some concerns about whether or not we can grow the markets sustainably to consume all of the additional tonnages. So I think that is a big ask. The government certainly supporting market development of about 70,000 tonnes is their target of, of additional uptake, but the increase in supply will be greater than that. So there's potentially an issue there. Whether or not that becomes a problem really will hinge on how effectively the market development money is implemented and spent and what sort of strategies come out, how those markets are developed and can we get sort of structural change in the, the bigger markets like the agricultural sector which is really where we see the main growth potential being in terms of demand. You know, so. Look, is it going to be a struggle? Yes. I think there's lots of opportunities for a lot of businesses, but the additional tons, yeah, it will be a struggle. Right. So there is work to be done. And what are some of the main challenges then or concerns maybe that you have about market development? So what barriers are you facing at the moment as an industry that need to be addressed in order for this to work? Well, I think where there's a, a, an issue and a debate that I think needs to be had, and it has been had to some extent, is that you do have different business models, and I'm sure that's the same all over the world. In our case, we're a private company and we're one of you know, a number of private companies that started as a horticultural supplies company 
and that business has grown and it eventually has gotten into the what would be considered the waste you know resource recovery in the waste sector but at heart we are a horticultural supplies company selling horticultural products you've got the other business model which tends to be the larger corporatized you know the olias the cetas those sorts of businesses who are in the waste sector and i didn't you know i'm not talking about those as businesses but i mean that the, the real waste driven companies they don't come into the market with a horticultural supplies philosophy they come in with a waste management philosophy and the two are quite different so their business model is very much about getting essentially cost recovery at the gate as soon as the material comes in the gate and then the, the products of their processing go into the marketplace at very low dollar value whereas those of us that are in the horticultural supplies tend to have a lower gate fee because we are expecting to have a value recognised in the output at the end. And they are different models and there's obvious difficulties of that in the marketplace when you have those two models producing an output that's competing differently with a different economic structure. That's a problem. I think that's something that our industry has struggled with, that the government has struggled with, and I don't, I don't know that there is a good answer to that. But the, the difficulty with that is that when you're looking to grow markets like the agricultural sector, and we're, particularly we're looking at cropping and grazing, where there are more marginal growing sectors anyway, uh, the broad acre agriculture, the cropping and grazing, um, they have some very good years, but they have some very lean years in between. So they're relatively low return sector anyway. So you're going into that hardest part of the market to actually get money out of them in terms of value for your product. And the products in that those sort of applications, they're effective, but they are still competing with fertilizers and, and sort of bedded down systems. So part of what we need to do is actually engage in those systems, get product uptake in those systems, give they're inherently a conservative sector. You need to get those people who have been growing often multi-generationally in a in a particular fashion. It's, you need to engage with them to give them some comfort that what we have to offer is of value and it's sustainable and it works for them in their, with their current cost models. So I think we're looking to actually see out of the market engagement, we're looking to see the real value of what we have to offer sort of recognised and, and try and penetrate those markets and show the effectiveness of the product. We have to do it at a competitive price, obviously. But unless, we, unless you break that nexus, then that market will never exist. If, if we don't get past this first hurdle where they're used to using synthetic fertilisers, if we don't get past that point, then it will never change. Yes. And here you mention uh, education and outreach, which are key components, I imagine, for developing markets in New South Wales. Look, I, I think when you look at the, the current suppliers into those sectors, we have, I don't know, in Australia we have Incitec Pivot. You have larger agricultural chemical suppliers companies who have been supplying into that sector for many, many years. Their data is very good. They had a history of use and um, those products working well. And they've engaged well. They've got a lot of money behind them. And they've been able to set up their supply into that sector well supported with good data, good technology and good advice. We're, we're stepping into that 
without necessarily the you know the dollars behind a, you know, a Monsanto type company. We don't have that sort of resources, and we're stepping into a, a conservative area. So the education, the engagement, the extension of the good the good information and the good data that we have at the moment. We haven't been very effective and, and very good at getting that out. So there, there will be a lot of people who I think we will get to change and are probably quite keen to change, but we haven't yet spoken to them. We haven't engaged with them. We haven't explained the, the case well. So the education side is very important. We take a short break now to thank the New South Wales Environment Protection Authority for making this episode possible. As the primary environmental regulator for New South Wales, the New South Wales Environment Protection Authority's purpose is to improve environmental performance and waste management for New South Wales. The EPA's Waste Less, Recycle More is a five-year, $465.7 million Australian dollar initiative that's transforming waste management in New South Wales. It includes funding for organics collections, processing infrastructure and market development, business recycling, drop-off centres for problem wastes and programmes to tackle litter and illegal dumping. And now, let's get back to the episode. Um, And going back to the increase in supply and perhaps another challenge you might be facing, um, the EPA is focusing a lot of their efforts on educating people about putting materials in the right bins and so on. Uh, really getting people to understand the importance of recycling in an effort to keep contamination low. So um, with curbside collection um, expanding in the next few years, are you concerned about contamination maybe? Uh, what's been your experience so far? Look, um, we've had a, you know, a, a quite a number of different contracts over the last 25 years. Often the contamination is an issue given that most of these streams come out of local government. So they're within a local area and that local government facility or the local government sort of waste system is the driver for the recovery of whatever the new stream is. So they decide to introduce a green bin and a curbside collection for green waste or whatever, green and food, whatever it is. If that council, if that local government authority from top to bottom has an environmental philosophy, if you like, within the the region, everything that flows from the top down is about closing the loop mentality and about understanding that sooner or later the outputs of these materials will be coming back into our environment. They see the issues about contamination and how they infect, affect either the, the value of the product or the quality of the product or negative impacts You know, when it eventually goes back into a local community. And they set up really strong and clear systems that are linked to their sort of council philosophy and you tend not to have issues of contamination because when they start, so new services come in and that's always where you have, it's all new, people don't know, they're not necessarily up with what's been going on and you have those early issues. If you have a council that sets up a contract that's well aware of that, as soon as those issues arise, they're proactive, they don't want the contamination, they engage with the local residents and generally speaking, those issues evaporate because they're driven from the council, they're driven by the local community and someone there's a contract to collect it and the collecting contractor is a really important part of that as well because they're the ones picking up the bins. It'll end up coming to us as a processor. It's critical to us that we don't have contamination. 
if you have everyone in that loop with the same general philosophy, contamination isn't an issue because if you as a resident don't care and you keep on putting garbage in your bin, they take away the service. If, on the other hand, and we've certainly had contracts where that's not a driver within the, the government, then it's very, very difficult to manage because you don't have, you know, as, a, as the end contractor, you don't have the power in the, in the process to stop that contamination coming in. That becomes very difficult. So it's very much an education. I know the state government is, is engaging very strongly with local government and that's absolutely where it needs to be because they're the drivers of the contracts. They're the people that sign the contracts up with people like us. So if they're not supportive of it and they don't have those structures in at the end of the day to remove a, a service if it really comes to that, then we're stuck with whatever comes in the truck. Okay, so the cooperation between local and state governments makes a big impact on the quality of organics then. And the government's cooperation with industry is another important aspect too. So building up a relationship and strong communication channels between you is crucial for success as well, I imagine. Oh, that's absolutely critical. Uh, certainly, as we've, we've won a, a couple of different grants within our business. I, thought, I think personally that the process that we've gone through, I think, has just been exceptional. They've had people within government that understand our sector that we can go and talk to. So I can go to, you know, if you're that person, I can go to you and say, Elaine, this is the grant we're thinking of putting up. You get very clear guidance as to, yes, that's good, but I'd think about doing that, that and that, or no, it doesn't fit within the guidelines. So very quickly you get a an answer as to, you know, whether the idea you have fits with what they want. If it does, you then there was an opportunity to get economic consultants in to do to evaluate the business case and give you advice on whether or not they think the economics of what you put forward was logical. After we'd won our grant, they then had consultants. I think we've got about 20 hours of free consultancy after the grant's approved to get through the approvals process and to get through you know issues that you have in once you've got the grant up in actually getting the, your your facility built or whatever it is. There's support after the grant. I think. Really, as a private business, you can't ask for more than that. It's been very, very good. It's a lot of money that they're spending. It's a pretty amazing achievement to get that sort of money out of Treasury for our sector. So, you know, it's, I think they've done a pretty amazing job, really, for the complexity of the programs that they've been looking for. Great stuff. It's an exciting time now for New South Wales. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how it all goes. Oh, definitely. It's certainly um, it's going to be a lot of activity and it will be interesting to see where we are in our sector over the next couple of years because you know that an extra 160,000 tonne of material really is what is what they're proposing to generate and that's a lot on top of what we're currently doing yeah for sure and um robert that's all we have time for today i'm afraid but thanks for coming on the show and talking to us lovely thank you very much That was Robert Nicole for the Organic Stream talk show, giving us the industry perspective on New South Wales organics plans and the challenges that lie ahead. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to contact us, you can catch us on our website, organicstream.org, or on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is the Orgstream. And from this week, we're also on Stitcher. So if you're using Stitcher to listen to podcasts, be sure to search for us there and subscribe. That's all for this week. See you next time.